I mean, I, I often say like, I must be the worst pastor in the world, but like basically none of my friends go to church. Um, they are pretty much all, you know, if they ever were involved in church, they are no longer. Um, as some of them are actually deeply faithful. Um, they just are not going to show up on Sunday mornings. In my work as a pastor and pioneer of new things, I get to work with, coach, and learn from others, tilling soil, planting seeds, and praying for rain as we dig in and engage our communities for the mission of God. Join me as we share stories from the field in the Common Ground Podcast. You're listening to the Common Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Jalad, cultivator of Fresh Expressions here in North Georgia and lead cultivator of the Common Ground Network at Mount Pisgah. I'm here today with my friend, Laura Patterson, and she I'm excited for her to share a little bit about um, her involvement in the Fresh Expressions movement and what God has been doing um, through her and her community and how that's looked, because it's a little bit different than some of the other stories that we're going to share um, in the podcast. So, Laura, why don't you introduce yourself, tell everybody a little bit about your context and um, and how your Fresh Expression got started. So, I'm Laura Patterson. I'm an elder in the North Georgia Conference, um, and I uh, I'm the pastor at Elium UMC, which is... Uh, in Elbert County um, for another like month today. And then I'll be moving to Oconee street uh, in Athens. Um, But then I also have uh, what I've sort of referred to as my side hustle, which is called not church Um, and not church uh, met for the first time in the middle of September, 2019. So we're a little bit under a year old now. Um, Although what we do at not church has kind of been like a thing that I've just done for a long time. Um, and I get, it got started really because I was, I had friends that, um, were seeking community and I think we're seeking a place to kind of make meaning of life. Um, and I would end up in these conversations with them about, you know, politics or how the world is or wanting to love people in a, you know, in a more thorough way or, you know, interpersonal relationships, just kind of like just life stuff, but bigger life stuff. Um, and, you know, they would have an impression of what the church or what Christianity in general or the Bible said about things. And I'd be able to engage them in conversation. And a lot of times, um, you know, there was, there was a sense of, um, dissatisfaction or, um, like an eye rolling at the hypocrisy of the church, Mm. um, in these discussions. And we would end up in this place of them being like, well, yeah, I mean, what you just said is great, but like, I don't see the church doing that. And I was like, yeah, sometimes I don't see the church doing that either. <laughs> um, and I, and I think people appreciated that, that realness, um, but also have being able to give people a bigger perspective of something beyond just sort of like their own sense of ethics, um, being able to tie something into like a bigger worldview Um, and so I started, I just started talking to people, talking to friends who were not part of any church, um, who either had not gone to church for their entire adult lives or had left at some point in their twenties. Um, a few people who had never gone to church ever in their lives, but who were, who were interested, who wanted to kind of know what the deal was. Um, and I basically just pitched the idea, like, what if we got together, um, and, 
you know, had a meal uh, together and talked about, uh, talked about big stuff, you know, debated like, okay, what, what is a faithful response to things? Like, what does the Bible say? Um, How, you know, do we see that being lived out or do we not? Like, what is something we could go do for our lives to be different based on this discussion we've had and to form community that is transformative, um, but that also lives into those values, like that is supportive of each other, um, a a community that shows up and that is uh, welcoming and accepting and where you can wrestle with big life stuff, um, but without the the baggage that um, at least this group uh, had attached to traditional church. so uh, I got together a group of friends uh, and, it, and it happens that, um, I mean, I, I often say like, I must be the worst pastor in the world, but like basically none of my friends go to church. Um, they are pretty much all, you know, if they ever were involved in church, they are no longer. Um, as some of them are actually deeply faithful. Um, they just are not going to show up on Sunday morning. So we started having a potluck. Um, at a community space, which happened to be the gym that um, I go to, because uh, we could rent it <laughs> for cheap and we were allowed to bring in our own food. Um, so we would we meet once a month and we have a discussion and a potluck. And the reason we do the potluck is because it's an example of everybody bringing a gift mm-hmm. um, to the community, but also accepting and celebrating the gifts that everyone else is bringing. So we do that. We have a discussion. Um, I do a little bit of teaching, and uh, everybody anybody is welcome to show up. Um, and then we have communion at the end, um, again, sort of as an example of what, what beloved community looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's the, the formative nature of the sacrament. And we've talked about that in the, in the group too. Uh, and then, so we did that for a few months and then I guess probably in December, we added a second meeting a month, which sometimes is pre pre COVID-19 was us doing outreach to homeless people in Athens. Um, just sort of in, in real, like on the ground street level, like, Hey, do you, do you need something? Can I get it for you? Um, you know, I've got some snacks. Do you want some snacks? Um, but during, during the pandemic, we've been meeting via zoom for discussions. And then we have basically like a virtual happy hour and we just kind of hang out another time uh, per month. So that's what, that's what not churches. <laughs> um, the first time we met and I was like, so what do you guys want to call this? Like we need, we need a name. <laughs> um, you know, I, and I had some suggestions. One of them was like belong, which was the real like hip, you know, Christian branding yeah. name. And they were like, we've been calling it not church. <laughs> and I was like, all right, if that's, that's what you want. So that's perfect. Yeah. Well, let me, let me say first, um, you're courageous in that, you know, not a lot of people would, uh, invite people that, may or may not think differently than them about big questions and big issues into a conversation. I mean, you know, I mean, we're all taught to, many of us are taught to not talk about those big things, right? Because that might get uncomfortable or, um, or contentious even, but you've, you've intentionally created space for that. So I really have to, to thank you for that. I think that's really important. And then the inclusion of the food, the meal and everyone bringing something, um, because you know, when we talk about fresh expressions and kind of the formation, first you listened to um, just kind of some angst and in, in, in a, uh, uh, a disintegration of what it means to be a person of faith, at least from their 
point of view, what it means to be a person of faith and really address some of these issues and, and things that just didn't make sense to them or were seen as um, hypocritical. Or, um, you know, also creating space for people that are coming from, you know, a lot of different, um, you know, uh, encounters with the church or experiences with the church or none at all. So you're really kind of creating community out of um, something that you've heard and something that you've noticed is a, is a need um, to some extent. But also, you know, creating this space for everybody to bring their gifts to the table because what we what we are looking to do is form community um, with folks that grows to um, demonstrate all of those marks of the church that we talk about, the one holy Catholic and apostolic. And just in what you're saying right now, you know, you understand um, as a community, this connection with God, right? And, um, and the universal nature of the church that comes in many flavors, uh, uh, shapes and forms um, that look very different than a lot of the things that we associate with the church, particularly in the Western world, right? Um, our inherited forms, kind of the attractional come to us. If, if we build it, they will come. So you, you understand that nature, even though it looks very different. I love that you're called not church. But then what I love even more is that y'all have recognized the sentness of a people that um, are in relationship with God, right? That, that as the father sent Jesus, so he sends us. And so, you know, we're not just together for the sake of ourselves, but for the sake of, of, of the other, of the community around us and to, um, and to grow in relationship and find ways to connect with and frankly be signs of the kingdom. Right. I mean, (laughs) In, in however we, we live out our lives. So I love that you guys have done that. Um, was that something that kind of came from within the group or was that something that you suggested or talk about that a little bit? It was part, so part of our initial discussions when I was sort of, um, you know, pitching an idea to, to these friends was part of it was like, what if we also served other people? Um, and that actually was, I think that was more compelling to a lot of people who expressed interest than just the discussion was. Um, because, you know, you can you can sit around and have a beer with your friends and like chat about life to some extent. And you're not going to have the diversity there. Um, and you may not have someone intentionally, help, you know, assisting in the meaning making. Um, but a, a lot of people were were wanting a way to to be sent um, mm-hmm. into the into the community. Um, and like beyond just like, well, I donated money to a cause, which is great. Like, please donate money to causes you believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, there was a sense of like, but I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that was kind of always part of it. We just like waited a few months to, to kind of get, get on our feet. Um, and we actually have had people, um, I, I think people have been more interested in that. Like we had people who have become part of the group that that was the entry point was, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to help with this thing. Or, you know, we're going to, one of the things we did was pack, um, we packed bags of like snacks and toiletry items to have with us. So that the idea being like, if you are driving and there is someone who is asking for help, um, on the side of the road in Athens, which is, which is a pretty common thing, mm-hmm. uh, cause there's a large homeless population that you can stop roll down your window and say, Hey, mm-hmm. um, I have this thing. Do you want it? Is there something else you need that I can provide? 
and the the idea there was um for me at least to like push people beyond just the the passive love of neighbor mm-hmm. um and we talk about love of neighbor a lot um it was beyond the passive love of neighbor into like hey your neighbor is someone you actually like talk to <laughs> yeah you know? you, they were looking for ways to literally put some skin in the game right that yeah, incarnational yeah. missional sentiment right and I, I honestly have never understood why churches like exit, like real church, real churches <laughs> making quotation fingers, um, don't use missions as a front door because, and I know some do and more are mm-hmm. now, but like at least as far as people my age and I'm in my mid thirties, like there are people who will engage with that and engage with your church through local missions if you invite them and make it accessible. Um, and do stuff that matters and is not doing more harm than good. Um, and they might not come to worship, but like, they're still, you know, they're being part of the ministry of your church. Like they are experiencing God's grace in that act also. Um, and, and I think that's, um, that's very, that, that's, that's definitely happened with not church. Like, like I said, we've had several people who their, their entry into the group has been, um, through that, um, they're, they're maybe or maybe not ready to have God conversations, mm-hmm. um, but they get the, like, they get loving your neighbor. So, um, and, and to go back to what you said about all the different expressions of the church, it, one of the things we do almost every month in our, um, it, we do kind of like prime the pump questions, like to get us into the discussion before we do any kind of like teaching or mm-hmm. um, um, like really, really pondering sort of deep, what do we do? kind of uh, questions is we'll unpack whatever baggage we're bringing to the table. Mm. And our group uh, in the past couple of of months where we've been doing it over zoom, which has been smaller um, has included like me as a United Methodist, someone who's missionary Baptist, someone who's Southern Baptist, someone who's Roman Catholic. um, I guess another elapsed Methodist uh, PK. (laughs) And uh, but when we were meeting in person, we had like someone who was Mormon, someone who had never been to church, mm-hmm. someone who, you know, was coming out of an evangelical tradition. So just the number of, uh, we had a Presbyterian, like um, people that had all these different experiences with faith and with church. Um, and, and some of them, like the Methodist, you know, us Methodists and, uh, and the Presbyterian, like not real different. Mm-hmm. Um, but to hear what someone learned in, you know, their Catholic catechism class and for that person to be in conversation with someone who very recently was part of a Southern Baptist church, like, um, it's, it, it's really like, I, I can sense that it's healing in a way. Mm-hmm. Cause everyone gets to be like, oh yeah, I always heard this, you guys. And kind of everybody gets <laughs> to put it, put it all out on the table. Um, and you know. Sometimes we acknowledge each other's pain. Sometimes we laugh. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, we've been talking about this whole idea of common ground, and it's certainly something that uh, we, I would, I would say, I associate with the pervenient grace of God. Right, always at work, um, calling us to that relationship with God that we were all created for. Um, the pervenient grace of God working. Um, everywhere in every person's life and, and, um, you know, really finding ways to uh, discover um, where God is working or looking for the image of God in the other person. Right. And, and it sounds to me like um, one thing that, 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 that you said really resonated because we've all been created um, 
we've all been created to be in relationship with with God and to reflect the image of God. And and some of us don't know how to articulate that desire to um, to bless another person or to um, to to be an answer to someone's prayer or to do the good thing or the next good thing or to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves, right? But I think that's very much, um, you know, the image of God that's within us. And, and, and I think speaks very true to what you were saying about entry places in the church. I mean, even during the pandemic, um, you know, you see people reaching out in ways that don't have any association with the church, but because a particular church has taken on a project, they want to get on board and be a part of that. And I mean, I think it's um, almost put a, a microscope up to the reality of, you know, of, of, um, of I think of, I don't want to say a pain point, but um, a, a point within all of us that we're trying to, or you could say, you could call it the God shaped hole that we're all trying to, to fill. Um, but you found common ground in a lot of different ways and creating, and part of it's creating space. So it's a posture of, um, humility, you're not coming with all the answers, right? You're just trying to create space for the conversation that has the potential to lead to new understanding, not only for for the the people that you're creating this space for, but for yourself. And one really important thing I, I think you said was that, you know, it's one thing to sit around a table and have a conversation theoretically about things or even things changing in my own life to some extent, that transformation. But when you have that life-on-life engagement with another human being, um, that's transformative, right? And and I say that you know transformation is um, it's it's impossible without relationship, really. I mean, you know, we can think in in in, in theological terms that you know our own transformation is impossible apart from a relationship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit through God's Son Jesus, but at the same time, our lives are changed in relationship with other people. And yeah. when you actually have to encounter, um, you know, the other or someone who, those are my air quotes, nobody can see my air quotes. <laughs> but when you have to have the, the conversation or the relationship or the, you know, uh, creating space in your lives for a person that thinks differently than you or lives differently than you and whatever that looks like. Um, it changes you, you know, it's, it's hard. I've, I've used this a, m- a number of times in conversations about the, the transformation that happens when you have a conversation and build a relationship with um, someone that um, was formed and grew up and, and lives in a very different reality than you do. Um, just if you just talk about the parable of the talents, you know, I think as a, a white female that grew up with a lot of privileges that I did not even recognize um, reading the parable of the talents is, you know, yeah. Okay. You know, but then sit down at a table and have a conversation with a, a person experiencing homelessness about the parable of the talents or whatever, you know, and you like, Oh, well that hits a little different. You know, I, I I, I need to look at that again. You know, I need to think about that again. So um, in a world that is always, I think, looking for um, sameness and and r- rather than difference, 
in a world that seems to want to uh, build an argument instead of an agreement, I mean, that is just uh, all the more reason to, to look for, um, for places of common ground and take that posture of openness and humility and listening that, that you've been able to do in this that I just, I applaud you for. So it sounds like you really kind of found that common ground in um, in really wanting to be real and and transparent and authentic about the places where our faith and the big questions of life sometimes to be seem to be in um, conflict with one another or don't seem to to make sense. Um, where where are you finding? I guess now in a I don't want to say post pandemic because we're not there yet. But where are you finding common ground um, right now? <laughs> um, I I think that I mean with our like I said within our group we haven't been able to integrate sort of any anyone new during uh, during mm-hmm. COVID nineteen um, and we not all of our regular attenders have been show have been coming on to the Zoom calls. Um, but I think I mean one of the one of the pieces of common ground is just that we're all going through, yeah. you know, isolation together, um, and and you know experiencing a need for community that like maybe was in the background before, um, but now is very much in the foreground. Like you know our need for each other. Um, I, I think also you know con- contending with how much how much conflict there is. Mm-hmm. um in our in our society um that really has been brought out by this that yeah. um you know the politicization of of this pandemic um has been you know has been a topic of conversation for us um and sort of some some yearning has come out of like you know why why can we not come together for well like why can we not agree on a common good mm. like why is the idea of a common good not part of mm. um not part of our public life um in the to the extent that it should be and uh i actually think that that probably was one of the things that brought this group together mm. um because in those conversations that you know i was having a year and two years ago with people you know one of the one of the pieces of angst um you know directed towards the church was a, a was people not seeing the church working for the common good. Mm. Um, and so uh, I, th- I think we're just continuing to wrestle with that with a different, you know, with a different crisis laid on top of it. Yeah. Um, that's bringing out some, some pieces more, more poignantly mm-hmm. uh, within our group. Um, people have been stable in their jobs. So we haven't been dealing with, you know, um, immediate community response to, to need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, our first time, our, our first like, um, month of not being able to meet in person, we had planned to do bags of, um, socks and snacks for our homeless neighbors. Um, and so we, you know, basically we're just like, Hey, well, this need still exists. So, yeah. um, let's, you know, let's continue to, to do that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think we're, I think we're still finding the same common ground that we, we found at the beginning, which was, we we want things to be better. We want people to be cared for. Mm -hmm. Like, we want to know how we do that. Like, what is, what is the transformation our world needs to actually care about the common good? Um, one thing that I think it's really important for people to hear, um, about you and what you're doing, because it's a little bit different than, um, some of our, um, 
I guess some of the fresh expressions conversations that you're going to hear on this podcast is that, you know, for the most part, our fresh expressions are tethered to an inherited model of church or a traditional model of church, right? And that traditional or inherited model of church um, uh, from the apostolic thrust, missional, incarnational um pulse outward bursts a fresh expression and that fresh expression is tethered to the existing church so kind of your jerusalem antioch model and that one really you know um you know breathes life into the other right you have the tethering to the to the the tradition um not traditionalism, but the tradition of the church and its doctrines and beliefs and and whatnot. But then you have this new form um, that's much more contextualized uh, in its nature um, that is tethered to the existing church. And and it's a a both and approach. But what you have been doing is something more that we would um, see as a model of, of an edge pioneer. Um, and while you are a pastor within an existing church, the the only real connection with the existing church and not church is you. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess if you would just say a little bit about, um, you know, making that decision and, and what kind of what that entailed. And then I know you're also um, moving to a new church that within the same general geographical area that has some potential to maybe some um some more tethering so talk a little bit about that because i think that's important for people to hear yeah so um one of one of my struggles in in ministry has always been that i i've never i've never felt that i could really like be super real with my churches because i needed to be pastor Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's sort of always been a point of pain for me. Um, and part of, part of new, uh, not church coming into being, um, and me really feeling drawn to this was conversations was realizing that the conversations I was having with my unchurched, not churchy, irreligious friends were more like, were more authentic, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or were more real for me, I guess, um, than, a lot of the things that I was saying to like in a Bible study with, you know, faithful church members. Um, And that's not, and that's not a, you know, a slam towards the the church members at all. Mm -hmm. It's just um, when you're, when you're pastor in an existing church, like you have to be the pastor. Um, And there's, that comes with expectations. Um, But so I was realizing that sort of there was this, there was this potential um, and that, while the work that my existing congregation was doing in its context, which again is in Elberton, so about 45 minutes to an hour outside of Athens, was really good for that context. Um, and that they were, you know, seeking to meet the needs of their community, that um, a lot of the work in that church was sort of trying to like um, pull back in people who were uh, I guess you'd say like nominally religious, like the people mm-hmm. who come once or twice a year um, or, you know, doing, doing a really good VBS and doing mm-hmm. a VBS that was going to be a great event for families in that area or doing a fall festival where, you know, that we were, we were inviting more people from outside the church that so it was becoming more of an outreach event. Um, but that really the idea of like meeting, meeting people who were not going to show up there 
um, and having just super honest conversations. Like I didn't see the potential for that happening. Um, just because the the DNA of the church I've been serving is that's just not like, I don't think that's God's call on them. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. so that's, you know, that's fine. Um, but I kind of just, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of wanted to, I guess I just wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It, I don't know that there was a conscious decision. Like there was no wrestling for me of like, okay, how do I tether this ministry to my existing congregation? Because there was, there was never um, an obvious connection. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked with some of my, I would talk with some of my not church people occasionally about like, Hey, we're going to do this fundraiser for, you know, a ministry in Elbert County. Mm -hmm. Um, And they would be receptive to that. But (laughs) their, their con, the context of their lives is not Mm -hmm. Elbert County. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was kind of a, that was, there was a little bit of an artificial connection. So part of it is, was just geography, but part of it too, is just the, the DNA of the church versus the DNA of, um, of the people that were involved in not church. And then, and then also I think my DNA, um, of the fact that, like I said before, I, none of my friends go to church. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. not, and, and that it's, that's been the case for a long time. Um, and so me being able to be in ministry within my community, um, was going to require stepping outside the context of my appointment. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I had this, um, I had this kind of series of, of events, um, back in, I guess, I guess, I guess it was, uh, summer 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like to go to Brevard, North Carolina hiking, um, around the 4th of July, um, and I'll just like go for a couple days and just hike in uh, Pisgah National Forest. Um, and I went on this long hike, uh, cause I was like trying to prove to myself that I could do it. <laughs> like it was this whole thing of like, I'm physically and mentally strong enough to do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, didn't know it at the time. To- like one of the reasons I like going to that forest is I always, I always experience God's presence there. Mm-hmm. Like there's some, there's some kind of deep connection um, and deep spiritual thing that happens there, um, and has for, for many years for me. Um, and so I was like kind of going, expecting, expecting to hear something from God, but not to, not what I did. Um, and sort of long story short, short, I went on this hike and set out for it to be entirely about like proving, proving myself to myself. Um, and on the hike ended up like helping people who were lost a whole bunch of times in the middle of like a fairly large forested area. Like, I don't know why I ran across so many people all at once and they were all lost. Um, and having to hike with people that I had stuff in common with, even though like I wanted to be alone, like I was there to be alone. And I ended up doing half my hike with this family who had like, their kid was at the same music camp that I used to go to in that area and also studied with my private teacher from when I was huh. studying violin in college. And so like, you know, and I had to keep like, I had to go at their pace cause I was like behind them. Um, and you know, the mom fell into the Creek at one point and I had to drag her out wow. <laughs> um, and then getting up to the top of this, this mountain and like running across a family who had lost their teenage son on the hike um, and getting to the top of the mountain and running across a giant snake and having to turn around and come back. Cause I like the, my path was literally blocked. Like the path I wanted mm. to take was blocked. 
by a snake. It's like a whole um, Macedonian thing. Yeah. It was, it was just like this extended sermon meta- yeah. illustration. And like, while I was doing it, I was like, this is a sermon illustration. Like I knew it. <laughs> um, and when I got back down to the, it, the bottom of the mountain, like I ran this family had still not found their kid. And I was like, Oh, I saw him here. And they found him immediately based on the fact wow. of where I had seen him. And so it was this thing where it was like the, the moral of that, of that hike to me was that like I was trying to do something for myself and that had been the relationships I was mm. forming with these people in Athens who I had known some of my had known since college some were mm-hmm. new friends mm-hmm. like I had formed those relationships for me like to feed me in a way mm. out sort of outside of ministry um, but like all the stuff that I was trying to lay claim to as being for me and about me in that season and as illustrated by that hike like God laid claim to Mm. and said, okay, like this, these things are not about the church, Mm -hmm. like, but they're about you serving me. Yeah. Um, And so it was just this part of it too, was me having a realization of like, I can, I can be who I am. I can be, you know, in relationship with people sort of authentically and not as, you know, pastor Laura. Yeah. Um, and still be serving God in those relationships, still the, have those relationships still be about, you know, about um, the grace that I know in my life and Mm -hmm. sort of what I've committed my life to, to be about without them being about the United Methodist church. Yeah. Well, it sounds fine against, (laughs) it sounds like there was a whole sermon series in there. Yeah, maybe (laughs) instead of just a sermon, it sounds like a sermon series. Um, I'm wondering when the last time was that you failed at something and what <laughs> perhaps you learned from it. Um, I mean, I feel like, I feel like I, I constantly am failing at things and I don't mean that in a, in a woe is me sense. I mean that, that like my approach to ministry is like, let's, let's try things and see what works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, like, you know, throw spaghetti against a wall and see mm-hmm. what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my, in my congregation, you know, I've certainly tried to do some, like some short-term classes that just kind of didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say to some extent, like not church does not look like what I thought it was going to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was thinking like, we're going to have 30 people there, you mm-hmm. know? And like, I think the, I think the, the highest attended day, the meal we ever had was like 15. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, to some extent I could say like, oh, well, you know, our, our meals and the discussions, um, are, I mean, they don't, they don't match what I thought the vision was, but they're, they're so deep. (laughs) Um, and the relationships are, are becoming strong. Um, and so I can witness that and be like, okay, this is actually, you know, my expectations are the problem, not what's actually happening here. Hey, and um, 12 people work for Jesus and look at what right. happened there. So right. you have to, <laughs> you have to think that the impact that the, um, the not church community um, is experiencing will be experienced in other relationships in their lives as well. So, yeah, I think so. Well, I have, you know, there are people who come who are, um, who are partnered um, and, you know, they, they come and participate. And I know they're taking what they, you know, what they experience and what they discuss back into the relationships with their partner who maybe is like, oh yeah, that sounds good, but like hasn't Mm -hmm. come yet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, has, has some other things to overcome. Sorry. My dog is now joining. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, it definitely is like, I, I know there's, there's impact beyond, um, what, what I would expect, but, um, mm-hmm. man, like it's, it's hard for me to say like, Oh, the last time I failed, because again, it's sort of just like, like, I don't, I don't pay attention to it that much anymore, I guess. Good. You're um, building resilience. Well, also, like, I started out as a campus minister mm-hmm. um, at a church that was, like, sort of quirky, um, at a campus that was very non-religious, um, and the largest religious group was um, was Jewish. And so mm-hmm. to be, like, the Protestant campus minister, one of the Protestant campus ministers for a church that, like, had its own whole, like, had its own issues, um, and then to be, you know, doing a ministry where you just every year in campus ministry, you built rebuild. Um, and you know, also like being accountable to a conference that at that point was funding all of our ministry through competitive grants and Mm -hmm. was like, you know, wanted, wanted all of us to look like, um, sort of the, the evangelical skinny jean pastor, uh, you know, sound and light show worship service. Like that's what they wanted. And our ministry never looked like that and was never going to, um, I just like my whole, my whole 10 years in vocational ministry has been like me either thinking myself that I was going to do a certain thing and that not being what happened or having outside expectations of like, this is what success looks like. And like that definitely not being what God was up to. So I just, (laughs) that's so good. So I'm curious, I would love to continue this conversation with you. I definitely want to have you back on after you move and and um, I'm sure things will change a, a great deal over the next couple of months. Um, but for right now, like what are you reading to or is there a podcast or a book or something that you're listening to that's really speaking to you? I honestly am like... Um I have not, I have not been doing a lot of, um, theological study lately. Um, I have been devouring fiction though. Um, and I think that, uh, I, I think the reason for that is, um, I'm, I'm figuring out how to tell stories better. Mm. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, also, I mean, also just like self-soothing in the midst of a global pandemic, um, and not having the, like, not Take having me the, away. The, yes. Yeah. Like not having the brain power to deal with like complex mm-hmm. theological, um, mm-hmm. arguments or being, uh, being stretched in that way. One podcast that I do listen to somewhat regularly, just as part of like my sermon prep, um, is pulpit fiction. Oh, so um, good. Yeah. 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 And the guys who do that went to my seminary. So some of it is like a, like a checking back in with home. Yeah. Um, I, I went to Eden Seminary, which is in St. Louis. So I'm I'm not a Candler person like okay. so many people here. Um, but I I love that the they're um, they're uh, it's it's a guy who's United Methodist and a guy who's UCC. Um, and so I've always appreciated having um, being or being in conversation with UCC colleagues because mm-hmm. them being Congregationalist um, and having to to some extent a more overt. Um, justice presence mm-hmm. nationally right now than I think we do um, mm-hmm. has been has been good um, and I just have you know again you know seminary like at some point seminary is like oh it's like the home folks so um, well let me commend to you uh, a podcast that I think that you'll find both uh, entertaining um, hilarious but also has some really great um, biblical um, con- contextualization to it. 
is the Bible binge. Have you heard of these guys? It's the, no, I have not. Okay, it's the coolest podcast. Like they they take a character or or a book of the Bible and they work their way through it. And so they talk a lot about the history and the context of the time and the um, that the original either character was in or the audience for whatever was written. But they cast the people with modern day actors and it, it's <laughs> hilarious. It's so funny. So anyway, it's I, very entertaining. That that does remind me another podcast that I, I like, I, I'm sort of constantly reading and listening to podcasts. And so when I'm like, I don't really know, um, it's because I like, I'm consuming so much that I'm not yeah. like, I, I'm constantly reading long form journalism, yeah. um, just kind of understanding what's going on in the world. Uh, so I guess that would be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the podcasts I, I do really love, um, uh, it's, it's actually two, but it's by the same two women. One is two feminists annotate the Bible. And basically they went through the entire Bible in, over the course of a couple years doing like an hour long podcast where they're just, they're reading a segment of it and then just responding to it through mm-hmm. sort of through a feminist lens. Okay. Um, and you know, some of it is, is very joking. They're, they're both, um, seminary trained. One is an Episcopal priest. One is a, an Episcopal lay woman who teaches, mm-hmm. who teaches church history, I think. Um, and, but you know, they'll, one of the questions they ask that I think is so good is, um, like, where do you see good news is in this, uh, yeah. in the, in the new Testament, they, it's that question in the old Testament. Um, they call it joy, junk, Jehovah. So like, where's the joy, where's the junk and where's God? <laughs> um, but so they, they're actually done going through the Bible now and they're going through female saints. And so oh, it's called, okay. um, uh, two feminists annotate the beatified. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'll have to check that out. I am a podcast junkie. So if people want to get a hold of you or have questions for you, um, what's the best way? Social media, email, what's... I think email probably. My my conference email, I check pretty regularly. Um, I'm because I'm be- um, about to be like between churches. Yeah. I'm sort of not responding on social media to people that I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, just, just trying to hold some boundaries there. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I'll put that in the show, mo- show notes. So if people want to reach out to you, it's laura.patterson at ngumc.net, but that'll be in the yep. show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time, Laura. I really, Thank really you. appreciate it. And I can't wait to see what God uh, does next through you and your ministry. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.